0: Let's do something weird. You ready? Everybody, close your eyes real quick. I want you to think back. I want you to go back to remember when you were a child. For some of us, that was longer than than the rest of us, but that's okay. But remember back to riding your bike. Okay. Picture it there. The sun on your face. The wind in your hair. Back when some of you still had it. But you're cruising, right? Not a care in the world. There was something so special about riding a bike. It was a, a real sense of freedom for a kid. And maybe your parents let you go a little further from the house. You didn't really have a destination. That bike could be a race car, a motorcycle, or even a fighter plane. It was wonderful. Picture that in your mind's eye, this riding of your bike. You can open your eyes now. I taught myself how to ride a bike Uh, on my older brother's bike that tires were completely flat, so it was easier to ride. Uh, With my little brother, though, I taught him how to ride a bike just like you see on TV, right? Where they take the, the training wheels off, and you push someone, and then you finally let them go, and they don't even really know that you've let go. But off he went. Well, Jesus went throughout his ministry... And he was preparing people around him for when he was going to die. And he told them three times very explicitly what was going to happen. One of these instances in Matthew chapter 20, verse 17. It says, Jesus was going up to Jerusalem. He took the 12 disciples aside. And on the way, he said, see, we were going up to Jerusalem... And the Son of Man, that's him, they understood that. That that meant that he was God in the flesh. The Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes. And then they will condemn him to death and to leave him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified, and he will be raised on the third day. Jesus very explicitly told them what was going to happen. I'm not sure he could be any more specific But the disciples still didn't really get it. They were confused about how their leader dying could win them a battle against the Romans. But obviously, Jesus had a bigger picture and a bigger purpose. But for three years of Jesus' ministry, he was collecting people and teaching them how to live, showing them what was important and pushing them to be who God wanted them to be and showing them how to live for others. But then Jesus starts taking his hand off their backs. And he takes off the training wheels and he sends them to do it on their own. Mark chapter 6 verse 7. He called the 12 and he began to send them out two by two. And then he gave them authority over the unclean spirits. And he charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts. But to wear sandals and to not put on two tunics. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that's on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with uh, oil many who were sick and healed them. So Jesus pairs up his disciples and he sends them out to proclaim the message that the kingdom of God is at hand and that there is hope in this Messiah, but he sends them out without it. He'd been preparing them. And now they were ready to do it on their own. And he wanted them to trust God for everything that they needed. They didn't need suitcases or money, nothing but their shoes, what they had on their backs, and a walking stick. They were to couch surf as they traveled, right? Staying with people, receptive of Jesus' message, and relying on that hospitality. I imagine doing this takes a lot of faith. Most of us would want every single detail of this trip Outlined, And we need to know exactly where we're supposed to go. And we've got a suitcase the size of a house packed. You should see some of these teenagers when they go to camp. It's insane, Carmody. <laughs> <laughs> but they didn't even have their phone. GPS, right? They don't, they don't have all the details right there in front of them. They couldn't call an Uber. They couldn't even door dash themselves. Food. And as they went, they spoke the message of God's kingdom coming and that everyone should repent and seek forgiveness from God. And they healed the sick and they cast out demons. It wasn't going to be easy. There would be people that don't want to hear the message. But Jesus prepared them for this. He trained them. Jesus told them that the best way to handle that is when people disagree with you, is to debate with them for four hours on Facebook until it ends in insults. No, that's not what he said. He tells them to shake it off. Shake the dust off their feet. Why? Because the message was too important to waste time and energy on fighting and arguing and getting distracted. Because there would be people that would be receptive to this message... So go and tell them. Go and find those people. And there is a time to be persistent. And there's a time to be uh, prayerful about moving on. And we need discernment to know which that situation calls for. But the disciples had watched Jesus minister. And now he was watching them minister. And soon he would lead them. Uh, he, would, he would leave them and it would all be on them. So, this evangelistic effort of shouting out the good news as they went uh, out in the surrounding cities went really well. But when you take off the training wheels, it doesn't always go the way you want it to go. When I was probably 13, I was buzzing like a thousand miles an hour down a hill in my neighborhood. And the front wheel of my bike came completely off. It just it was done it just said i'm out of here and somehow i landed in the grass if i landed on the pavement i'm sure i wouldn't have a face at all right now it would just be like skin (laughs) Uh, that's pretty gross uh but i was able to somehow get into the grass and i didn't die but there's another time where I had a BMX bike and I thought I was Tony Hawk or you know, one of these X Games people. And so I was doing jumps and I hit a jump in the woods and I land with a big like three-inch branch in my neck. And praise God, it was rotten because it broke rather than impaling it. But sometimes when you take off the training wheels, things don't go the way that you want them to go. And there was one time... Later, the disciples also crash and burn. Maybe they got scared and didn't have enough faith, or maybe they got proud and they thought they were the ones with the power and they didn't need faith. But either way, a man brought his son to be healed of seizures that was caused by demon possession, and the disciples couldn't help him. They couldn't do anything, and they failed. So that father brought his son to Jesus instead. In Matthew 17, verse 18, Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the boy was healed instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, because of your little faith. For truly, I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, that's a very, very small seed. If you just have a small amount of faith, you will say to this mountain, move from here and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. They were doing God's will and they were uh, out there doing what God had told them to do, but they didn't have faith. The disciples had healed people before, but this time something got in the way. Jesus had to step in and give them a lesson, and he healed the boy. Now, this isn't the end of the world. This is part of the learning process. Sometimes you fall, but you learn the lesson, and you get back up, and you never waste a failure. The disciples needed to learn how to minister to people on their own and to point people to the message of Christ, because Christ's ministry only lasted three years. And after that, Jesus ascended to heaven, and he gave them the baton to keep carrying out the mission. And that baton has traveled 2,000 years and thousands of miles to be passed to you today. According to the Pew Research Center, only 28% uh, 28 of Christians engage in simultaneously being discipled. And discipling others. That's not great. We need to be discipled and be disciplers. It's how God set this whole thing up. And you might say, well, I haven't been a Christian very long. Well, neither were the original disciples. And it's also true that you learn most effectively by doing. So in the Christian walk, you learn most effectively by living your faith out. Now, to disciple simply means to walk the Christian life together with somebody. You need to disciple, and you need to be discipled. And that's what church is for. It's not a building, it's a people. A community of people that are mutually submissive to each other, encouraging and instructing and motivating and caring for one another. But we only have that If you do it, if you take action, and if you participate. Leadership is important, and it's important for leaders to do this, but the job is too big to even scratch the surface. A thriving church will have humble and healthy discipleship going on at every level by a large percentage of the church family. Jesus, the, the God in the flesh, only had 12 really close disciples, and then even then, only three that were super duper close to him. And so, if we're going to do this, we need a lot of us to be walking out our faith together, even just to be disciples and be discipling, uh, uh, to be discipled here, just in these people in this room, let alone in the community. We need this happening at every level of the church family. Because Christians in a discipleship community are more likely to feel re-energized by time spent with Jesus and derive deep and, uh, joy and satisfaction from their relationship with Him. People in this discipleship community are also uh, have a stronger connection between their spiritual life and their day-to-day life being discipled and being a discipler. But America is more isolated than it has ever been before. Loneliness is an epidemic. And the church answers this problem when we live out the gospel the way that God intended us to. And we take this outline that God gave us in his word. God knows that it's not good for us to be alone. Now, you don't sit back and wait for people to reach out to you. You reach out, and as you're going, and as you're caring about others, and making yourself vulnerable, then you build a community around you. Sitting alone in your house, hoping that someone's going to come is not the way to do it. You think about others, and you go and you care for others, and caring people are often cared for. We're not the center. We love God and love others, and that is the hub that everything else spins around. Discipling and being discipled as we go. We move and we act and we build a discipling community. Once again, to to disciple is not some big lofty word. It means to walk the Christian life together with someone, just like Jesus did. As you live and as you go, you don't have to give big lectures and you don't have to uh, write some type of thesis. You simply need to have faith when you don't know how to pay a bill. And you have that relationship with someone, so you ask them to pray for them or pray for you about that situation. And then you have faith and you make it to the next day. And as your faith is lived out in community with other people, your faith grows and their faith grows. Because we're not the center. Learning and being taught, pushing and being pushed towards trusting Jesus more. But there's a disconnect in the way that we do church here in America. We aren't doing this. We are content to sit in a pew for an hour and have no real community with other Christians. No life groups, no Bible studies together, not even willing to ask someone out to eat with us. There are some maybe that wouldn't even know who to ask to pray with them about a situation. 56% of Christians today say their spiritual life is entirely private. Now, your spiritual life should be private, but it also should be lived out in community with other Christians. Why? Because church is not a building. It's a people. We've often mentioned that the Bible is full of one another's that coax us to live out our faith with one another. There are 59 of these one another's in the New Testament. Love one another. Welcome one another into your home. Serve one another. Wash one another's feet, have concern for one another, carrying one another's burden, forgiving one another, pushing one another to good deeds, being patient with one another. You cannot do these things in one hour when you sit silently next to someone and maybe shake their hand. That's not how this was meant to be. And if you feel like maybe there's a disconnect in what the New Testament church looked like and what your Christian walk looked like, this is probably why. We've got to live these things out together, and you can't do the one another's with an entirely private faith. And we are called, like the first disciples, to be discipled and then to be disciplers. And for many of us, it's time to take off the training wheels. We're sent, just like Christ sent the disciples, to reach out the community and to spread the good news of the gospel. And that's not a big thing. It starts with small conversations. It starts with reaching out. This Sunday night, we're starting to uh, our, do our CBC nights with Engage and Pastor Scott's been working hard on how to figure out what every person in our church needs to know as just the basics so that you can be discipled and be a, a discipler. And showing up tonight might be a first great step in your next faith. And to be able to meet somebody in a more intimate setting and to learn how to better engage with God's Word. Next week we're going to start CBC 101 to help you learn if CBC is the right church for you. So that you can join, but not just join as an event on Sunday morning, but to join a family and to commit to live these things out together. Gathering, growing, and giving together. There are lots of excuses for this. There's lots of excuses to say, I can't do this. I can't disciple anyone. I don't think I'm qualified. No one's ever asked me to disciple them. I just haven't thought about it. It isn't easy to be vulnerable. I'm too busy. And for many of us, this seems like a daunting task. And you might ask the question, how can I practically disciple someone towards Christ? Well, there's a really easy way. You don't have to memorize a presentation or break out a PowerPoint to show someone how to, how to do this. It's not that complicated. It starts first, many times, by a small conversation where you get past the pleasantries and you share your story. Get past the sports, you know, the st- score of the WVU game last night, get past the weather, and get past all of that to something real. And as you tell people about what God has done for you, and you share your story, it will build your faith and their faith. And maybe you get the the pleasure of hearing their story as well. And, And the same happens. Faith built together. Share your story with someone and talk about that relationship with Jesus and how it makes your life better. And as you share your story and open up, you'll have people ready to share their story too. There's something so special that happens when you are genuine with people and you let them see the real you and you admit flaws. Many times they're going to open up to you. And this might not happen all in one afternoon. It might happen by asking someone first their name and then remembering it and actually listening when they say it. It might take just saying, hey, do you want to meet a little bit early in church uh, next Sunday, maybe at 9.45? I'd love to have a cup of coffee with you down here in the cafe and just just get to know you a little bit better. These little simple things can be the way that these discipling relationships start, where you're discipled and you're being discipled. Because there's something special about that taking that brave first step towards authenticity, and then it makes it easier for someone else to follow. We don't mean sharing all the gory details, right? You don't need to tell them everything you've ever done. It also doesn't mean to be overbearing where the other person is not into this conversation, but you refuse to let go, right? But you let them know the events, That shaped your life. You start small conversations and you talk about how Jesus makes your life better. And you're brave and you share your story and you watch as people open up to you. So that's step one share your stories. Step two is pray for them. When these things happen, you're gonna find out little things that you can pray with someone about. You'll know better how to pray for them. And then you commit to do it. And you write it down in an alarm in your phone or you write it on a list somewhere and you pray over those things. And from time to time, you check back in with them. Not intrusive, but caring. That's it. I could give you 27 more things on how to disciple people, but we don't need to do that. If we could all just do these two things, sharing your stories and praying with and for people. That would change our church, and it would change our community radically. Just those two things. Share your story with each other and pray with and for people, and then see God open doors and change lives. See, you are not the one with the power. God works with His Holy Spirit to change people's lives and to draw them to Him. You don't have to convince anybody. You don't have to uh, do some type of crazy presentation. You just simply have to be a person that's ready to obey and to start these conversations and then let God do the rest. You don't have to be a scholar. You don't have to have a doctorate of theology. You don't have to be charismatic or charming. You just obey and let God move through you. And maybe, just maybe, as you share your story about your life and how Jesus makes it better, you might find someone that doesn't yet know Jesus Christ as their Savior, and you pray with them about their struggles, and you show the love of Jesus Christ. Maybe then you can share the gospel with them that God came to earth to save them from the punishment from their sin, and he wants to have a relationship with them. What an amazing thing to be able to do to lead someone to Christ. Or maybe if they are a follower of Jesus, you get to share verses of encouragement and bear their burden for just a minute and to listen to them and maybe provide accountability and to study God's word together maybe. There's no end to where this could go. But I think it starts with these two things. And these are the things that have made a difference in my life when people have showed up, and they've got past all the pleasantries, and they cared about me. And that can make a difference in the people in your sphere of influence as well. Listening and caring and sharing your story and committing to pray over those struggles together. And to rejoice together in those victories. How easy is that? Won't you commit to start this super easy path towards discipling each other and being discipled, taking the training wheels off our faith and beginning to talk to people about it, owning the message of the gospel like it's your mission because it is, pushing past the shallowness. Jesus taught his disciples and they followed him and they loved him and they learned from him and he sent them out and he let them loose with this radical message of the gospel that god came to earth because he loved people so much and he died for their sins so that they could get to him and then jesus ascended to heaven And they left the church with this command to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely he says, I am with you at the very end of the age. We're not there yet. We're not to the end of the age yet. So Jesus says, as we're going and as we're sharing our faith, that he will be with us. And if you're a follower of Jesus, that's a command for you to live out. And it starts with just real small things. Jesus told them, though, they didn't have to go alone. They didn't need all the tools in the world. just needed a little faith and that he would do the rest it wasn't easy they paid a price but he would go with them and the message couldn't be stopped this is the strategy that turned the world upside down this is why today we have 2.2 billion Christians in the world today because people did things like this And that early church went to a new town they met people and had conversations that said, hey, this is what Jesus did for me. And that, straight, uh, that same strategy that turned the world upside down can turn Harrison County upside down, too. But love God, love people, and go. Share your story and pray with and for people. And then let's watch what God. bow our heads and close our eyes this is one of those things that we all know that we need to do but we struggle to remember we struggle to focus we struggle to commit to do this and to be persistent about this people don't believe me when I tell them this that I'm an introvert I like I like my time alone, so sometimes it's hard for me when I'm out and about to take those extra steps to try and talk to somebody. And it doesn't look the same for everybody, maybe, you know, maybe it's just a small step towards reaching out, asking someone how they're doing and then making sure they know you really want to listen to the answer. You're not just looking for a good or a fine. You care. Taking the chance to to tell a little bit about yourself and to listen a little bit about themselves and uh, to talk about how good Jesus has been to you and, and how he makes your life better. And they commit when they share something to pray with them and to remember. It means so much to people when you say a month later, hey, I'm praying with you about that. How's that going? Is everything okay? Do you need anything? That's the type of thing that can change the world. Because we live in a self-centered world that thinks about me and only me. But Jesus turned that all upside down. And he put others first. Those that the world looked at as outcasts and Worthless people, he put them before himself, the God of the universe. And he even went as far as washing feet and touching lepers, doing things that would hurt his reputation, like talking to uh, someone that had s- several husbands currently. And He went out of his way to make known that he cared about people. And he sincerely listened to them. If we could do this, if we could each just look for one person in our sphere of influence. Maybe it's a person in this room. That's okay. Maybe you don't have any real authentic Christian relationships with anybody. Hey, ask somebody out to coffee. Ask somebody if you can message them back and forth about something you're learning about in God's Word. Ask them just that, hey, I don't, we don't know each other very well. I've seen you here for four years. I don't really know your name. Uh, forgive me. I'd love to know more about you. I don't want it to be like that anymore. It might take a little bit of humility to say, I've sat next to you for seven years in church and I have no idea what your name is. That's okay. It's worth it to push through to authentic community. Discipling and being discipled. Walking the Christian life together. Sharing your story. Listening to their story. And praying with each other. This is the kind of stuff that makes a difference. As we spend a few moments here in prayer... Just dealing with whatever God is talking to our heart about. Maybe it's what we talked about this morning. Maybe it's something totally different. You're struggling with something else or you've got a burden. That's, a, that's great. You take some moment here just to, to pause here at the beginning of the week on Sunday. Start your week off right. Maybe you're here today. We talked a lot about sharing our faith. And maybe you're not sure yet that you are a Jesus follower. You're not, you're not against it. You're here in church. But that relationship with God starts somewhere. See, back in the beginning of time, man chose to sin and break God's law. And ever since then, sin has flooded this earth. And disease and death and wars and all this pain is just ruining everything, evil. Evil. Exists. And the Old Testament is all about God pursuing his people and his people continually doing okay for a little while and then rejecting him. But all throughout the Old Testament, even way back in the beginning of Genesis, God begins to talk about someone that was going to come and solve this problem. Lo and behold, it was him, God in the flesh an equal part of the Trinity. Jesus Christ came 2,000 years ago. He was born of a virgin. And he lived a perfect and a holy life for 33 years. And he ministered and healed people and preached the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent for three years of his ministry. And he proved who he was and he fulfilled prophecy. And then, like he told them, he was beat and he was mocked and he was put on a fake trial and he was condemned as guilty even though he had done nothing wrong and he was crucified on a cross He was buried in a tomb and on the third day he rose again from the grave. He rose himself back to life and he walked this earth for 40 days being seen of hundreds of people and then he ascended to heaven. And he left his Holy Spirit to be our comforter. And that's the gospel. That Jesus came in our place to take the punishment of our sin and all that uh, brokenness in this world that has come as a result of sin. Jesus paid the price. Now see, we've got a problem is we play a part in that brokenness. We all have sinned. We've hurt people and we've been selfish and we've been greedy and we've said wicked things and we've thought wicked things and all this sin stands in the way from us and a perfect God. And the choice for you today is to accept the gift of Jesus Christ. That death on the cross paying the price of our sin and that resurrection proving that he had victory over death. And you can put your faith and trust in that today as the only means of your salvation. Not church membership, not baptism, not walking old ladies across the street. Putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your only means of salvation. That Jesus paid it all. That gift is outstretched to each and every one of us today. And if you've never yet accepted it, you can do that once and for all today in this moment. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You could call out right now. The words aren't important. It's a cry from your heart to God. But it can be something like this. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I know because of my sin, I deserve hell, separation from you forever. But I put my faith in what you did on the cross to save me. Please forgive me. I'm turning from my sin, and I'm turning to you, letting go of all that I held on to. Put my faith in you alone to save me. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. That's you today. You made that choice once and for all. That's huge. That's a a big deal. You accepted the call to follow Jesus, to become a disciple of Christ. And that means so much more than just going to heaven in the next life. It's walking with him in this life right now. I want to encourage you, if you made that choice today, if you no one else is looking around, you just slip your hand up and say, that's me, Pastor Phil. No one else is looking around, but you say, hey, Pastor Phil, that's me. I made that choice today once and for all. See that hand. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you for those, Lord, that accepted this call, became... Jesus follower, just in these last few moments. Such an amazing thing. God, I pray that you draw them to yourself. God, I pray that once and for all, they decide to follow you. God, we thank you for this amazing gift. In your name we pray. Amen. Those of you that made that choice, or maybe you're still struggling with it in the process right now and you want to continue in this attitude of prayer that's awesome we're going to sing here in just a second if you made that choice today you would fill that out on the bottom of your connection card right i chose jesus i'd love to follow up with you and to talk to you about what's next because this isn't the end of something it's the beginning of the most amazing journey in your life an adventure of being a jesus those of us that are already Jesus followers, let's go. Let's go. Share our stories and pray with those people who care about them.